Hello, and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have our guest today, Douglas Bauer. Doug, if, if you permit that, yes. Most people, when they, when, they, when they buy your book, it's going to be Douglas. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm willing to live with the split personality. No, I go by Doug for every, everybody. So thank you. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. And uh, let's see. We've, you've recently launched your book, this novel. And the novel is The Beckoning World. And my first question is, what did you have prepared when you began at, at once, or was it all scattered everywhere? Uh, was it outlined? Beckoning. Why the beckoning world? There's just so much out there to, to have fun with. Is that what that is? Well, fun, but also with a, 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 a just, a, I think, a bit of seriousness in it, too, just that the characters in my novel um, are beckoned by the world, but the each character defines that word world in his or her own way. And really, I think the movement, if you will, of the characters and the plot is a matter of uh, the reader just following the ways in which the world beckons my characters um, and in the ways in which the... Uh, definition of what it means to be beckoned changes over right. the course of the novel. Um, right. A kind of re, a, a redefinition, reordering of priorities. So that's, right. that's really what beckoning means, at least as I see it. Well, you know, being the, uh, being the batting coach, um, you know, you're also the umpire. <laughs> Your own umpire. <laughs> <laughs> no, you set the rules and, and enforce them as best you can. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to do that, to study writing. Um, but I, I don't think I'm going to get to Massachusetts this lifetime, but you never know. I've been there. Well, but, you uh, never know. Didn't stay long. That's right. I uh, uh-huh. have looked at, your, at the material that, that they gave me, Lissa, and... Um, who's uh, very good at what she does. And um, the information that I got was uh, the, the reviews were good. I mean, you probably know that already. Uh, I do, yeah. and very pleased, yeah. Now, as I started went through, the, uh, um, through the PDF, through the book, uh, I'm, I'm rolling along, rolling along, and all of a sudden I see this thing that says book one. And I thought, wait a second. <laughs> has he has, has Doug got book two already on the on the you know on the frying pan? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess another way to put that would it would have been part one, part two, part three. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's all under the uh, between the same covers as mm-hmm. the story proceeds. But I think there's the parts, if you will, or the books, as I call them 
are so different one from another in the book right. that uh, I guess I just sort of subconsciously thought of each section mm -hmm. as self-contained, if you will, of having its own its own sort of book length, book mm -hmm. shape. Mm -hmm. uh, so the term, that's what the term means as I'm using it. Mm -hmm. Well, it got my attention. I can tell you that. Uh-huh. Well, good. <laughs> That's job one for yeah. a writer. Get the reader's attention. I, uh, I I spent 30 years on thinking about a book, and I finally got to it. Um, but I had no idea about the marketing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and then I just got mad at it. <laughs> That's not an unreasonable response <laughs> to get mad. Uh, and I'm, I'm still busy. And uh, well, that's I'm sure with what you're doing now. How often are you are you uh, teaching every every day or every semester? Every 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 semester, but it's a it's a manageable workload. Um, I teach in a, a master's in fine arts program. Um, at Bennington College in Vermont. Mm -hmm. But the, the nature of the residency, or the nature of the program, I should say, is, uh, is, is what they call a low residency format, which means that most of the teaching you do with your students uh, takes place electronically. Uh, the, you, you move material back and forth uh, over the right. internet, and then you mm -hmm. meet with them uh, on campus, one-to-one, -one, and in workshops just for a few weeks each semester. Mm -hmm. So it, it allows you to work at home. I mean, this is sort of a, we did this before the pandemic, so we kind of right. anticipated what it means to work at home with the way the program is structured. Yeah. I've worked at home for a long time now. Uh, yeah. Long time. As Since the 80s. Great. Yeah. And, and I, I like it. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I just got to get up and walk around the block. To, <laughs> to, you know, to, For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Your, your, your book itself, was there one particular scene that was something you struggled with or that you were thinking about it, something different? Um, what is it? What do you think? Well, as um, I, that's an interesting question, John. And uh, I would say that the the scene that took the most out of me, <laughs> emotionally okay, yeah. and intellectually, uh, one of the one of the characters, if you will, in the novel is the 1918 Spanish flu, the right. first pandemic. Um, right. And you know, there was pure coincidence that. I had that element in my book when the pandemic we're now going through arrived. I started the book long before the pandemic arrived. Anyway, um, the scene uh, that I have in mind is uh, one of the main characters in the novel, a young woman named Emily um, dies of the flu and uh, trying to narrate, if you will, her death scene because I'm, as I'm sure you know the flu uh, that flu 
struck uh, very, very vividly and, and quickly. People yes. would die in a day. Yes. And that's what happens to my character. She's got a little headache in the morning and she's dead that night. Hmm. And to take her through her suffering and, and, and her husband who's attending to her, his suffering and watching it mm-hmm. uh, was certainly the most uh, in, involving scene, mm-hmm. I would say, in the novel. Uh, and I felt, you know, it was the hardest uh, to get right. Um, mm-hmm. It's the one that I felt I needed most to try to do justice to. You don't mm-hmm. kill off your characters lightly. <laughs> and and I like Emily, I liked Emily as a, as a character and as a person a lot. Uh-huh. So uh, anyways, to answer your question, that was the scene that I suppose uh, provided the most challenge for me, uh, just right. imaginatively. The, um, the, the locations that you, that you had was on the farm. Right. Um, and uh, it, as I went through this, uh, through the prologue, um, it, it started me through going back when I was, um, you know, six or six or seven years old, uh-huh. uh, in, in the, in the fifties and they, my, my grandparents were, were sharecroppers. Really? Yeah. And, um, they, uh, it was a small town called Adairville as the, uh, uh Kentucky turns into Tennessee. Across oh yeah, border, sure. Across that border, yeah. Yeah. So as yeah. I began yeah. looking at that and seeing that, it a lot of it just came back came back to me, and it was. Uh, well, that's wonderful. We uh, we share a biography, John. I mean, I'm we're, I was also six or seven years old in the in the early fifties, and I grew up on a on a grain farm in Iowa. My father was a was a uh, corn and bean uh, grower, and his father, my grandfather, before him on the same farm. So right. it was it was you know quite um, quite natural in a certain way to set the novel there, knowing it as well as I did. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean you done it. You might as well write it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they always and, say, "Write what you know." You know so. But then some people don't 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 think about that, you know. Um, well, you know, I I've certainly written a lot about places I never lived and don't know, and except in my imagination, right. and it's a it's it's a different it's a different relationship to the material. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're consulting your imagination entirely. If you're writing about something you have a personal experience with, um, you have to do that work, but you also have memories to draw on and impressions coming back from whenever you had those experiences. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it was um, uh, just, I'd say probably 10 years ago, one of my uncles passed. And it, it drew me back to Adairville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had had a small town with a square, 
And uh, I remembered all of that. It's just, I need to spend more time back there. But, uh, you know, how do you, how do you create time? You got, you got a secret? <laughs> how to create time? <laughs> uh, I wish I did. If I did, that's all I would be paying attention to, the creation of time <laughs> rather than the creation of stories. <laughs> um, it's ever moves ever more swiftly. Uh-huh. Time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you, at the end of the day, you say, well, where did the time go? You know, what, yeah, what did I do true. today? You know, just yeah. totally. Yeah. But yeah. I've, I've got to deal with it. Um, I'm more, um, I guess, in a way, for those that live with me, I've become more loving to them only because well, I'm getting rid of some of that anger that I've learned in yeah. Vietnam. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the the baseball part I didn't get mm-hmm. to that but, but I but I will I, I bought your book uh, Amazon's going to deliver it tomorrow or the Thank next you. day great and uh, um, tell us about uh, Babe Ruth and, and uh, sure well the the idea for this novel actually is came from something I read in the, in the newspaper. It's based on a true event oh, really? uh, that happened in 1927. Um, it was very common in Major League Baseball at that time. When the season had finished, and in, the, the, in Babe Ruth's case with the New York Yankees, when the World Series was over, because they were almost always in it, right. they got on a train and took a barnstorming tour across the country and played exhibition games. Mm -hmm. So they'd stop in all these little towns and, you know, it was an enormous event for the town that was hosting them, of course, this legend arriving in their town. And in in the instance that I read about in the newspaper, Babe Ruth and also Lou Gehrig, who was, uh, much younger than Babe Ruth, about a decade younger, and just starting his famous career, right. took this train trip and played in all these little towns. And one of the towns they played in was Sioux City, Iowa. And because I grew up in Iowa, I naturally, that caught my eye. And I just began to imagine what it would be, what it would, what it would have been like uh-huh. for the citizens of Sioux City to have Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig arrive in their town and play an exhibition game and then get on the train and go to Omaha where they played next, right. you know, and right. I just found all that just almost mythological in its, in its uh, possibilities with these legends arriving and departing sure. and the impact yeah. they would have and the impressions they would leave. So anyway, that's, that's what, um, started the book. That was what really what um, gave me the oh, idea. Right. And I'll tell you one more thing. Um, you asked about Babe Ruth. Uh-huh. It's, it was interesting to create a fictional version of someone who had actually lived. And in the case of Ruth and Lou Gehrig, I had to do that. And it, well, I have a good friend here in, in uh, the Boston, Cambridge area, another writer named Lee Montville, who is a wonderful biographer. And he wrote a biography of Babe Ruth. 
So I asked him to have lunch and I said, so give me some, you know, anything you might be able to impart wisdom that will help me write this fictional Babe Ruth. And he said, well, here's the thing you need to remember. Babe Ruth was the most hyperbolic human being who ever lived. So no matter what you might invent, you're not going to go over the top. Chances are he did that and, <laughs> and much more. And that gave me a great permission not to be concerned, you know, that I, sure. just, I just let my imagination fly. Yeah. So um, that, was a, that was a lot of fun. And it really turned out to be easier to, to create him and Gehrig than, mm -hmm. than the, the, the truly fictional characters. Right. Well, that must have been uh, uh, motivating for, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, of course, I was. If you were six or seven in the in the fifties, then you know, you know who Mickey Mantle is. Of course, Roger. <laughs> Roger uh, um, just had his his uh, oh record broken by Roger Maris. Roger Roger Maris, and it was uh, Aaron Judge just this year. That's right, another Yankee. It, yeah. And that's something. <laughs> did you see they renewed his contract? Gave I did. A nine-year nine deal. And I kept thinking, boy, if I had only stuck with baseball. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did play. I, I did too. And uh, I, I was a, I've always been an enormous fan of the sport as a player and as a spectator both. So, yeah, it was right. fun to – just sort of put myself in the in the in the in the skin of those of those actual players. Well, I'm glad you wrote this book. Um, I really am. Uh, well, good. It, it, it motivated you. me to, to 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 buy it, and now I sit on the front porch just waiting for the guy to come by. Yeah, it's well, FedEx well, or UPS, one or the other. <laughs> um, but it's a good book. That's I very nice. Of it to my wife, and she said, "Yeah, uh -huh. it's worth it." Yeah, she said that. <laughs> Oh, and, that's and great. She, that's, and she that's, rules. That's the, if you want to know who the empire is around here, that's her. <laughs> Same with mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you had the time for me today in my audience. They're going to get a kick out of this, too. And they're going to be thinking about the book. And, um, and I'm pretty sure that uh, some of the things we talked about today is going to motivate them and you know, put them in a, in a, in a moto vehicle and get right. themselves to a bookstore. Well, I, uh, I'm very, I'm very grateful to you for the opportunity, uh, and it's it's really fun to talk about it with you. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm glad that you you could do this, and please tell my audience, my listeners, where to find your book or where to contact sure. you. Well, I have a website, uh, DouglasBauer.com. Um, and my last name is spelled B-A-U-E-R. So it's uh, all one word, douglasbauer.com. So you can order the book and you can read a little excerpt from the book by going to my website. But it's also available from all the usual suspects, uh, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Um, and if you have, a, to your listeners, if you have an independent bookstore anywhere nearby where you right. live, I'd urge you to uh, give them your business. The independent bookstore is a hugely important part of 
the lives of those of us who write for a living. Um, and it's always good to support your, your local business. So those are many of the places you could order the book, from which you could order the book. Right. And they should. And, I'm, and I bet you they do. Um, well, thank you so much, John. My pleasure. My pleasure. I want to uh, thank my listeners for tuning in again. And um, I want to thank them for tuning in all the times that they've tuned in. And the adios goes like this. So long and happy trails to all. <laughs> <laughs>